Hey, welcome back. Is that intro awesome or what? Does that get you like pumped up? I mean, there is you... nothing that we could do on this show that will ever live up to the sheer amount of just epic, amazing. I mean, I'm like, I want to go run a marathon right now and like cut down a couple <laughs> trees and like get in a fight with someone who's way bigger than me. It's it's just it's wild, man. I'm, I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up. I got my water bottle. I got my TI 83 plus calculator. <laughs> I'm ready to do some math. Uh, <laughs> we're joined. When. We're joined. Uh, here we are, uh, as usual. Uh, Chris Leonard is here. Master of ceremonies, all the buttons and streaming controls. And if something happened to Chris, I'll tell you, Kyle and I would be in, in dire <laughs> straits, man. Uh, Kyle, yeah. Kyle Turnside's here. Uh, hey, buddy. Hi, world. <laughs> Hi, Facebook. <laughs> and the fabulous Willis <laughs> Snow is yes. back. And Hannah Goodine. Hello. All right, got the whole the whole gang here. Um, and you know what? I just I want to I want to go on the record, and I just I feel like I have to say this publicly. Uh, we spent a lot of time heaping jokes on Kyle on this show, but I I have such a huge amount of respect for Kyle, and I've looked up to him for so long, Aww. and I'm so honored to have him on the show. It's just it's a blast for me. So Kyle, I'm super Thank glad you. you're here, man. Man. You guys, <laughs> it, it, it's all in good fun. I was having a bad day today. It was one of those days. Well, no, we're, we're glad it. you're here, man. Like I Thank told you, you I mean, it, it, there's there's something really special to me about when you go on YouTube and you use a you look at a console manufacturer tutorial or you look at whatever kind of thing you're trying to learn. Like these are, you know, not kind of faceless automatons. These are people that we work with in this industry and and they're friends. And uh, that's that's just always been very special to me that our industry is small enough that, that we can do that. And I learned I learned a lot of what I know about the the Pro Series desk from Kyle's videos. So you know it's something that, that's just very special to me. So uh, that's pretty cool. Think about how many seen cool any friends the... that we've made. <laughs> I know man. we've made that's so true. many cool friends. This is the best. Like people that I never thought I would talk to. I take the Michael Lawrence approach to things now, and I just call him up. I'm just like, hey, Joe Biden, what's up, dude? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I just I just get his number, you know. Well, uh, for those who haven't seen or known, don't know, tomorrow uh, we are hosting a NAM session at the Allen Heath booth. Um, so I just dropped a dropped a link in. If you're not registered already, uh, make sure you uh, register for NAM. It's free. Uh, come hang out with us. We're going to interview the president and CEO of NAM, Joe Lamond, as well as Mike Bangs, which he is the George Straits monitor engineer, and he's the tour director of Alan Heath. I'm not sure what his exact title is. Uh, Heath, I think live and touring. There we go. Man, yeah. yeah, live and touring stuff. Uh, and shout out to charge. shout out to Potter who does uh, she does the install. And integration yeah. side of things over there. Uh, she, now she's a big shot. She's too she's too cool to, to take my calls now, but it's okay. We still love her. Um, and obviously, if you're just listening to this, you know after it's live, yeah, there's a video of this. Go ahead and check it out either on our Facebook group uh, or on our YouTube page if you want to, you know, watch the shenanigans go down. So, uh, but tonight, I think we are digging into Kyle. Right? Is that what we're it's doing? It's Kyle Trinside night, and yeah, Kyle doesn't know this. He looks very surprised right now. Um, because <laughs> you, you have probably more touring experience than everybody else here combined. Combined, yeah. Uh, I mean, so <laughs> I, I know I Hannah's been a road warrior for like twenty years now, so oh, she brings definitely. it. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, I, I just, I, you always have a relevant story, and and so I, I just want to, I want to 
talk about that a little bit. I mean, do you remember? No, don't shake your head at me. Uh, I, I think. Uh, I mean, do you remember when you got the call to do Fallout Boy? Do you remember that moment when you, oh, you got yeah. for that gig? Uh, Life changing moment. So, uh, some people that you guys might know or might not know. My one of my good friends. Uh, his name is Dave Rupsch. We call him Super Dave. Um, he was the front of house guy. Well. Let's take it back a little bit further. I was working at a club in Springfield, Missouri called the Juke Joint. Um, we either said that you were on the way up or the way out if you played that club. It was basically the stop between Oklahoma and Missouri. And if you went through that route, whatever. So there was this kid from Chicago and he bugged me almost daily about learning how to do sound. He was from Chicago. He was a Cubs fan. I was like, what is this kid bugging me about? And, uh, we, we gave everybody nicknames. Um, he became Super Dave really fast. And I told him, I was like, listen, kid, I make like 25 to 50 bucks a night. And the bartender is my roommate, so I get free shots. That's about as good we can do. Um, he became my monitor engineer for the club. And uh, he actually got a gig from working at the club uh, with a band called Lucky Boys Confusion from Chicago as well. And uh, he went out with those guys for a while. He did some warp tour shows, and um, as usual, I was touring in vans with crappy hardcore bands. I won't say crappy hardcore bands; they were actually awesome metal hardcore bands from around the area, or either that or like Christian metal bands. And uh, I always had this thing where I was like, "Man, I gotta say true. Like, I can't go on a big tour bus. That's not real. I gotta be doing the real stuff with the hardcore kids." And um, I'd come home and work at the venue and Super Dave was out. He was gone. Like my, my monitor engineer that I trained was gone. And uh, I had to set up a show in Yuma, Arizona. And if you've ever been to Yuma or seen that movie, um, Dead in Yuma or whatever, 90 seconds of death in Yuma. You're talking about 310 to Yuma? Yeah, whatever. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I took the background of that movie and setting up a redneck deck in it, which is, you know, basically deck pieces with aluminum legs that you have to measure out and do everything with and you have to get underneath the stage and put it on your back and push it up and then pull it back into place um at 120 degrees on the ground and we were building a stage for country thunder yeah country thunder and uh super dave called me and i got out from underneath the deck and i was like what's up dude where you at blah 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 and he goes we talked for a little bit and he said um I met some guys and you need to talk to them. Um, I just took another gig. I'm, I'm going out with this band called My Chemical Romance and I got another offer um, for this band from Chicago called Fallout Boy and I, and, and I think you should take it. And I was like, dude, I will take anything right now. I am in Yuma, Arizona. It's 130. I got scars across my back from putting red net deck in and uh, that's how it began. I'll, I'll, I'll always remember that story because I feel like he saved me. He saved me from that thing. And um, did you know who the? Were you familiar with the band at that no. point? You hadn't heard of their music or anything. No. And here's how he sold it to me. So in Chicago, obviously, I live in St. Louis, Missouri, and that was where I grew up. So in Chicago, there was a really cool metal hardcore scene. So I knew a lot of the bands, and and my friends would go up there and play with them at little underground clubs and stuff. So he was like man the, the the bass player used to be in a band called arma angelus and uh the drummer and the other guitar player used to be in a band called race trader and kill the slave master which were like insane 
underground metal bands or hardcore bands at the time. So that's how he sold it to me. He was like, dude, they're metal kids. They're hardcore kids. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he was all pumping me up. And I'm like, you know, singing hate breed in my, my head in the background. And um, uh, it, it was fun because I didn't quite get it at first. And they didn't quite get me either because they were all these 17, 18-year-old kids. I think Pete and Andy were a little bit older, um, almost 20 or 21. And uh, after a while, I just got it. Like, I got on the bus. I threw my stuff in a middle bunk because they didn't know any better yet. And um, Joe got above me. And, like, the other band guys are walking around the bus. And he goes, hey, man who's that old guy sleeping below me <laughs> and uh yeah it it turned into quite a story man um I, i'm definitely the version of the right place at the right time dude um it just sparred into a thousand other things and uh i'm forever blessed for it i really am well i mean you're talking about a band that at one point was like one of the biggest bands in the world uh and we're you know on everybody's car radio and i mean was there a moment when you you remember like either looking around at front of house and seeing all the people. Was there a moment when you're like, holy shit, this is huge. Like, did that hit you all at once or it was a kind of a gradual, they got bigger and bigger and you were kind of riding with it. It was fast, bro. So, um, they were at the end of the cycle for take this to your grave, which is, is a brilliant album. And I kind of wish I would have toured with them on that one. Cause like their Pete's lyrics on that album resonate with me to this day. Cause it was kind of like lifetime. It was kind of like these other, older emo kid bands from the day and um his lyrics just were like super heartfelt and like super angsty and like um it it, it made sense to me but we moved right into pre-release for from under the court tree um and that's they went from uh less than jake's label to uh island def jam immediately and we went and filmed that uh sugar we're going down video the kid with the antler uh, thing in upstate New York in the in the that's kind of where I got to know know those dudes at like I kind of got their sense of humor then I kind of got what was was their kind of like thought pattern of how they were going to do in the band but we always hung out with everybody like they were still kids they just wanted to hang out you know they wanted to go to the mall on the day off and watch movies and like be on the laptop and do funny things like and we started to notice that when they couldn't do that anymore, it was like we'd wake up on the bus in the mall parking lot and I'd be like, Hey Joe, let's go, let's go in the mall, man. He's like, uh, I can't bro. (laughs) And then, then I started to understand. I was like, Holy cow. Like that whole child star thing is, is kind of where they were at. Like we were in, we were in the top five touring bands in the, in the world for five years running in in ticket sales and it was it it was insane it's a blur it's a blur shout out to chad olick by the way yeah shout out to chad for sure chad uh and you know it's interesting and i I may have told this story i think i told this story on the very first episode of this podcast we had jim yakabuski on as our guest and when i decided i wanted to get serious into pro audio i got a notebook and i just started reading trade magazines and i was reading pro sound web and i was reading all these websites and anytime i saw like so-and-so was out mixing so-and-so and and i thought that was an artist that sounded interesting or a gig that sounded interesting i would get my notebook and i would put uh i wrote you know jim yakabuski matchbox 20 and and jim yak's 
it name is like one of the very first names I put in that in that uh, in that list. And so it's so cool now that that you know I I can consider Jim a friend and I've learned so much from him. But um, you know I think Chad's name is in there too, and I got it right on my shelf over here somewhere. So that's that's something that's been really cool to kind of learn from these people. But I mean, Kyle, for you. I mean, something that Hannah's told me in the past, like Kyle, you mixed, you worked with All Time Low for a while. It was kind of yeah. funny. You were putting up uh, videos on the on the Facebook group from uh, back when you were working with them. And um, Hannah said that was like, I mean, I don't want to get the story wrong, so she can correct me, but she said something like that was that was like my first real concert, and it like yeah. changed my life, and that's what made me want to do this. Um, um, they, they were on one of the tours, and it was my first concert other than Hannah Montana, if you can believe it. <laughs> and um, I went to the local venue that now I work at sometimes and saw them, and I stood near front of house for a couple of songs, and I was just like, I have to do this. Like, there was nothing else after that. So there, There's an engineer that we should get on, is my friend Evan Kirkendall. Um, he owns a company in Maryland that he basically used his funds from doing all time low. So ATL boys, like girls panic at the disco gym class heroes Academy is all those bands were like the, the fallout boy clone dudes that Pete and Patrick kind of took in their arms and, and we took on tour with us. So Evan, when he first started was like eight years old and, uh, he was mixing all time low and, and he ended when he was like, um, 12 so now he owns a company i'm totally making fun of him but i probably shouldn't uh, but yeah he was super young and it was cool to have um an engineer of like he w- he was good he was still learning like he went right from the van to mixing shows on rpas and uh he was something to watch for it was it was really cool but yeah evan kirkendall was uh i got mistake well Brad Maddox called me out, or was it Brian Maddox called me out about it? He was like, yeah, "That doesn't look like Evan." So I I did uh, ATL kind of fill in dates. Um, my friend Dan, who works at a place called Soundworks in Chicago, got me to come out um, after the Boys Like Girls thing, which those dudes kind of had some interchanging members and um, yeah. What kind of what kind of, what kind of, what kind of what kind of gear did you walk into when you first without them? I know I probably had to grow because you probably were smaller shows to begin with. What kind of, what kind of console and stuff you're working with? Um, with with Fall Out Boy, I was yeah. walking into um, theaters with house stuff, mm-hmm. and it was cool for the first bits because we were doing a lot of House of Blues, um, a lot of Live Nation venues, and stuff like that. So it wasn't bad. It was better than walking into the church basement with uh, Living Sacrifice and, and Norma Jean and Zayo <laughs> and trying to make a show happen. Like, it was easy. Yeah, and, but hold on. But hold on. But those basement shows with bands like Zayo, Norma Jean, and stuff like that, from a from an experience standpoint, though, you can't beat that yeah. energy. Like, those those that experience, yeah. that connection with those people is insane. Hands down, like uh, Nor- Norma Jean before they were called Norma Jean was uh, ludicrous. Oh, the ludicrous. So we we did a show in Memphis, and uh, these kids got out of the van. They had like black painted mannequin heads with like hair coming out of them. They dumped a, a pipe bomb out of the back of the truck, and <laughs> this thing blew up right in front of the venue. And uh, we were sitting on a, a balcony of a Days Inn across the street, and we're just like. 
just watch these dudes. They're like, here comes the cops pulling up on them. Like, and it, it was insane. And then the next album comes out and they had a song called uh, Memphis will burn or Memphis will be laid to waste. It was about that night. And uh, yeah, I've seen more blood and ridiculous stuff at those little church basement shows than any arena thing that I've ever done. Like the so intense, intense. We were, we were, when we were doing the AES show together a couple of years ago, I think it was 2018 now, Kyle, we did that. Um, and you, you go through and you do a, uh, you do a story hour thing. And, uh, Kyle's Kyle's story was about a, I think it was like a guy getting branded or something like that. He told this just remarkably off color story to a group of college kids. And it was so funny to me, but, um, I mean, it's so funny when you talk, you talk to musicians, they always say like, you know, Jacopo Astorius is why I wanted to get into bass or Paul McCartney is why I wanted to get into writing songs. And you have these huge legendary artists that influence so many people and get them started on their path. You know, it's, it's such a small thing that we do and we make such a big deal out of like not being conspicuous. So it's, it's, way entertaining for me to hear like you know so and so is the reason that i get into front of house mixing but i mean kyle what's it i mean it's got to be pretty cool that you're you know chris has been asking everybody about his new his new 2021 question is what's your legacy right so like i mean kyle part of your legacy that i've seen and people have said to me you know when they write into our our form that we have on the website now is like you know i i want to do what kyle does i i mean when you're the reason that your work is what's inspiring somebody to get into the field i mean that's got to be pretty wild man it's obviously not something that that i've experienced before yeah and um will 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 tell you i've been completely humbled by this whole COVID thing and i've really like taken myself inward and done a lot of thinking and and the one thing that really stands out to me about the whole bit right now is it, it was time for me to get back and I think working for Midas and building my clients and my base and, and everything was like the beginning to me wanting to give back to what I started doing. And, and that's why I tell those stupid stories. Like, um, I think the stupid story is what makes the kid want to jump on the bus with their bag and leave it all behind, you know? Um, you know, it could be the PA, it could be, you know, the amount of gear that you get to touch and the places you get to go and stuff, but it, it's that stupid story or that stupid chapter that you can open up for somebody else and go, hey, man, th this is what happened. And and I'll tell one story because I, I was thinking about the other day and um, I, at some point you get very numb to it, you know, and I think that's when you need to step away and look back and, and, and kind of do the thing. We were doing a... Um, one of those stupid jingle balls at uh, the garden. And that that's how we thought of it by that time, because we've already been there like 12 times. We were over it. Like, oh, really? We got to do this thing again. <laughs> stage, Awesome. You know, and it became really numb. But the thing that was cool about it was two things. Uh, Justin Bieber played with us. And that was when his first album was out. So we were doing a bunch of radio gigs flying back and forth. And um, when we flew into LaGuardia, we got off the plane and there was this dude at the luggage racks with the guitars trying to get him signed for the, the kid who has no legs or whatever. But he's totally lying. He just sells them on eBay. 
and that's what he does is he goes after artists to sign these these guitars or instruments and then sells them on ebay's but he gives you this sob story about like helping children or whatever and, and um we see beaver get off the plane and he comes to luggage claim with us and we're just a bunch of thugs you know pulling pelicans off of a, a luggage thing and we look over and we see the beebler sorry i called him beebler uh <laughs> It, and we were like, you know, watch this kid, watch this kid. And he went over and he grabbed the guitar and he signed it. And we were all just kind of shaking our head. We we're like, noob, doesn't get it. You know, like this dude's at LaGuardia every time. So we're at, we're, we're, we're done with sound check. We're at the garden and I see Bieber walk in and, and one of his managers was sitting at the table eating and catering so i walk up and i'm like hey what's going on blah blah blah. and they're like oh did, you know hey this is justin and i was like yeah we've done the last couple shows with them i was like hey man did you know that dude that you signed the guitar for it's just an ebay guy and he sells your stuff you shouldn't have signed that guitar he goes yeah i know i signed it Jimi hendrix i was like that dude is cool <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the beebler I want to hear from Willa. She looks like she's been waiting to say something this whole time. What do you got, Willa? I'm just in awe, honestly. Like, Kyle, I mean, the show that you mixed My Chemical Romance at the Warfield when I was 14 was the first concert that I spent my own allowance money on and I was able to pick to go to for myself. And that was probably the best concert that I've ever been to uh to this day because now like since then i've just worked concerts so i i don't really play audience member very often um so it's just an absolute pleasure to just sit back and listen and just just hear all Thank the stories you. and man i'm jealous <laughs> uh, don't be jealous like uh I, i've like I said, it's another chapter and you kind of just close those chapters and you go on to the next one and stuff. And like, it, it's, it's people like yourself and everybody who listens to the show and even our guests that come on that inspire you just to like look back and go, Oh man, you need to hear about this one, you know? And, and, and it kind of drags you back in and gives you like this light inside to your like, man, we're going to get through this. We're going to go back to work. It's going to be super cool. Um, I, I got a bunch of stories about the war field. I don't know how rated this <laughs> Facebook live thing is, but um, I got a great one about being on the all American rejects bus. Um, <laughs> email me. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's it's we'll, we'll, it's, we'll save it for our for our only for only fans. There we go. <laughs> oh my God, Kyle, I would subscribe to your only fans, dude. Oh man, I've been working out and everything too. <laughs> it's, so it's you know it's it's funny to me though because like I mean these guys will tell you when we have a we book a guest that that I'm excited about, which is like every guest. You know what I mean? Uh, I am like bouncing off the walls on the group text for for you know, the two weeks in between when we book the episode and when we, when we record it. I mean, it's, there's, um, I, 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 it is not lost on me how cool it is to talk to all these people and to connect all these people and to hear their experiences and to hear their knowledge and to hear their goofy stories. I mean, it's, I, I still feel, I'm kind of wondering for the, like, when's the day that I'm going to wake up and not feel like the kid in the candy shop. But, you know, I've been doing audio stuff since I was like 14, I think, and I'm 33 now. And I think I'm 33. I'm 30 something now. And uh, I still, I'm still like 
this is incredible. Like every time we get, I still get really excited to talk to all people and, and to show up to work and, and do gigs. And I, I, I love all that stuff. So, um, I definitely appreciate what you're saying, Kyle, for sure. But I also think, um, you know, the humanizing element is really neat. I mean, Hannah ran into Jamie at a trade show like two years ago, I think. And she's like, Jamie Anderson's here. And she kind of like ran off somewhere. And I said, you go back there right now and you, you talk to him. And so she did. So like, you know, these are people and we look up to these people because they're pioneers or they're accomplished, but they're just people. And, you know, more often than not, these people want to hear about that and they, they want to connect with you. And so, um, as cool as it is and as much of a treat as it is, I think, you know, it's important that we treat people like people. Yeah. And, and shout out to the pioneers with Chris, cause how we got loud is really turning the gears of people that you wouldn't normally turn the gears of. Um, I, I think that's brilliant. I mean, um, I had, like I said, all my, all my mentors are dead, but, um, that sounds this, like an album title, man. Yeah, it's gonna be my next solo <laughs> record on Olden Fans. Um, but it, I, I, I love that these guys are like engaging upon engaging. Chris is like, "Hey, man, I just recorded a, a new podcast, and I got two more guests from this one guest." So it's like it's now spiraling into this thing. And then also with the group text, like I think it's notable. We're in the top three percent of podcasts for what? downloads and listeners right i mean uh, was that on is that the zen cat uh the the bus sprout stat chris is that yeah now no, that was um show notes or oh, okay because yeah. it's it's signal noise and right above us i think is joe rogan uh, so, so <laughs> kyle's kyle's coming for him that's been his goal since we started like i think uh actually kyle when you when you joined on the show your facebook post where you announced that you joined on the show you were like i'm gonna be joe rogan <laughs> So that's been the dream to. from the beginning. <laughs> I mean, you got to think we're, we're really providing to a niche market. And when I sent out invites for the show, I sent them to everybody. I sent them to family members. I sent them to people that I've just met randomly or whatever. And uh, I have people that comment on the Signal to Noise Facebook page that just know me from mixing shows at a bar like or or whatever the case is it's so cool that those people can still find stuff that's interesting and i even had a couple of the people that are band members ask questions about interfaces on the signals to noise stuff so there is this whole six degrees of kevin bacon happening with our podcast it's kind of neat yeah and i i mean i think anybody that that i'm friends with knows it's no secret i i love connecting with people I love connecting people to other people like, oh, you want to do this? You should talk to my friend so-and-so. And, you know, I love, I love kind of like, you know, the octopus, like just connecting different people with each other and, and, and building that network matrix thing. It's really cool. But, uh, it, you know, I, it's just really, it's really sort of powered. It's a self-powered machine. You know, I mean, I think a lot of listeners may not understand like how important it is that they're reaching out and saying, "Hey, you should talk to Show and Show." I mean, Chris's Chris's project, How We Got Loud, is pretty much one hundred percent powered by someone he's talking to saying, "Hey, you know who else you should talk to? This other person." Um, so, I mean, it, it's 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 really uh, the community drives this machine very much, and I'm, I'm very thankful for that. And I think you know, I, I wrote about this on my blog, like 
this was just an excuse for me and Kyle to talk to people that we thought were cool. That was really the aspiration. I mean, Kyle wanted to, to be Joe Rogan. Yeah, but I just I just wanted to hang out and, and talk shop. But it's it's been very, very cool to see everyone respond to it and find it helpful. And man, I I'm, I just picked up a new uh, mentee, I guess would be the word. Uh, you know, we're getting people reaching out that want to connect and want to learn and want to get in touch with the guests and ask them questions. And that's, I'm, I'm very humbled by that. And I'm very happy about that. And uh, I believe very strongly in sharing knowledge and paying stuff forward. And, and so I'm, I'm really, really happy to see that happen. Will is nodding again. Uh... <laughs> I'm just emphatically agreeing. Okay. <laughs> How's your cat? Will's cat went to the vet today and it did yeah. not look happy about that. She... Well, I don't think any cat is ever happy about going to the vet, really. I don't think uh, any cat is ever happy about anything. Like, no, see, that's where you're incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Cats just have a different way of speaking and communicating, all right? Uh, no, she, I'm so proud. I'm a very proud cat mom, or as my cousin Marianne says, a meow me, because uh, we're those Oh, kind of my. <laughs> <laughs> Marianne's got like eight cats, though, and I only have the one, so. Uh, but she, it was her first time uh, with me going to the vet, and it was just to check up and get her vaccines all updated and stuff. And she did very well. And she's sitting here next to me asleep. So proud. She didn't like bite or scratch the vet tech or anything. I'm just, <laughs> do, do you get, because I remember when I was little, I went to the doctor, I got like a, either a sticker or a lollipop or some sort of, you know, reward paraphernalia, uh, some bribery. Did, does a, the cat get something? She got a poop collection kit. Wow. That sounds like more of a gift for you than the cat, to be honest. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a treat. Believe me. So, speaking of treat, what better time to enjoy some sweet water candy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it was funny. I ordered uh, one of the, I was working on this project. It was a choir, but they had to be distanced. So everyone needed their own cans. And we had all these headphone distributors and like, I don't know, 40 pairs of headphones. And I called my sweet water rep. I'm like, I need 40 pairs of headphones. What do you got for me? You know? Um, and uh, that came in a bunch of different boxes. And I had this just Halloween-sized bowl full of uh, sweet water. It was, so it's all the Laffy Taffy and the peppermints. And what are those, the, the red ones? Uh, Fireball, was, just put one in. Yeah, man. Okay, so all of those. Um, <laughs> Hannah, <laughs> Hannah you're, you're, you're in your last year of school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that. It, you know, this it, it couldn't have picked a better time, really. Uh, but uh, I mean, you've really grown a lot in your career and in your prospects in the last year. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's just been cool watching you kind of learn and, and you know be less scared of people at trade shows. And um, I mean, kind of what's the retrospective? Like, what's your perspective on this this industry and in, in your connections and uh, now versus? you know, a year ago or when you, when you decided to go to audio school in the first place. I mean, we talked a little bit about this when we had you and your professor Eric Ferguson on the show, but I mean, even since Um, then, I'm sure. I mean, when I first got into this industry, I didn't know anything. I didn't know who to talk to or if I could talk to people or for people, if people were approachable or not. And they really, really are. If, if Michael has taught me nothing or anything, it's that I can just talk to somebody and they will talk to me and teach me something. And I'm really thankful for that. Um, like he said, not this past November, obviously, but the one before that, um, there was a small audio conference that I went to and Jamie Anderson was there. And now I have his phone number in my phone. And it's just, it's a completely different 
perspective than I had back then. I'm really thankful. Is there, um, I mean, I know it was something that you, cause we've talked a lot about this is something that you've, you've struggled with is like getting over that speed bump of like, yeah, I'm, know. I don't like talking to people. <laughs> I'm very, it's really hard for me to walk up to somebody that I look up to and say, you know, what's on my mind or ask them a question. And I'm trying to work over, get over, getting over that. Wow. <laughs> well, and I know that that's something it's, you're definitely not alone in that because actually both of the people that I'm working with now through the, through the mentorship program, which again, signal noise podcast mentorship program, Kyle set it up. If you want to get hooked up with somebody and, and, and trade some knowledge, please reach out and do that. But both of the people I'm working with now have said the same thing to me. And Wes talked about it on the show, like how hard that is. So like, what, what are some things, and Willa, you've talked a little bit about this too in the past. I mean, you and I have discussed this. What are, what are some things that, that you guys have done to try to overcome that or to try to just get more comfortable with it? Well, I'm very similar to Hannah in that, like, I didn't know anything when I first started in this industry. Everything live audio I learned on the job on the fly, usually while someone was yelling at me and calling me brainless. So it was a really great intro into the live production world. And I went to school to be a musician. Uh, so when I graduated school with a music degree and suddenly I found myself just kind of thrown into the live production world, I had no idea where to start or even if I wanted to start. Um, and I, I went the same route that Michael did, which is like I started reading pro sound web and technical magazines and publications and trying to figure out, okay, who did what, who is another female in my industry that I can model myself after, who is, you know, who, who can I look up to, what sort of resources do I need to uh, progress here? And I would see articles written by certain authors that were extremely helpful. Um, and it was always the same guy every single time. And it was always just so well written and something that someone like me that did not have an audio background but had a music background could understand uh, and learn from. And uh, he had a LinkedIn insignia at the end of each article. And uh, I thought about sending him a message, but I just would just like freak out because it's like he can't just like message a writer and tell him like, hey, this was really helpful. Thank you. Or like you can't just like email somebody out of the blue. Um but a friend of mine actually told me, like, I was talking to her about this, and she said, well, what's the worst that can happen? They're going to say no, that they don't respond. So uh, I be, I'm not as bold as Michael. I didn't call. I, I wrote. Um, <laughs> and so I clicked on Carl Winkler's LinkedIn, and I just <laughs> sent him a message. And I'm like, hey, dude, um, I've read all of these articles, and every single one of them is written by you for every single topic I look up. And I just I greatly appreciate you writing in such a way that I can understand so that I can learn. And amazingly, he wrote back and now we're like friends. And <laughs> uh, so I'm trying cool. to get my clients to use electrosonics gear now. And it's like, and I mean, that's pretty much what happened with Michael as well. And why I keep hanging out with all you nerds is because like, I was just connected with Michael and Michael's just like, Hey dude, you're going to come hang out now. And I was like, I, I guess so. Sure. Michael has a way of doing that. I, I love how Michael just tells us, oh, yeah, Will and Hannah are always on the show. Always. <laughs> like, yeah, duh. Like, we're just like, where's Will and Hannah? Am I here this week? You get, too many boys, you get too many boys in here. You know, it's, it starts to stink. And then, you know, you got to change your shirt. It's just, you know, you just, yeah, we got to, you got to, 
we got to keep keep ourselves presentable. There's Kyle's feet. Yikes. Yikes. I think that's uh, another first yeah. on the Civil Noise podcast. Kyle's feet. Uh, that, that, that belongs on the OnlyFans, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I want to echo like what Willow was saying. We talked about this on the West episode. Um, I'm a big proponent of this. Uh, just yeah, I mean, what's so if someone doesn't get back to you, so what, right? I mean, like it's reach out to people. I, I think. And, and I also think, if nothing else, 2020 obviously has changed people, right? So I would have said it's pre-2020. Um, but, I mean, you know, the the way this community has come together, put out the resources we put out, um, I don't think there's anybody in this industry um, that's worth a damn that is not willing to respond and give back, uh, you know. Yeah. And, it, and I would say if someone doesn't respond um, – maybe you probably find someone better who would be better serve you anyway so i mean do you do you want to be friends I, with someone who doesn't hold, want to talk hold to on. you right? I, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna caveat the hair like some people may be rather busy and, yeah. and, but i mean at a certain point they'd get back to you i mean COVID busy bro <laughs> well, no, well i'm saying like for instance like pooch right so pooch are able to get a, a thousand plus views every youtube show right if every thousand people reached out to them individually that might be a little difficult to respond not because they're assholes but just because they don't have the capacity to respond you know or like you know i get a bunch of messages or whatever linkedin and facebook and it's like i do my best to respond but you know i'm still working and stuff like that so it's i think it's you, you get the point i don't want to i think it's also in the nature of your message too because if you come in with your message and you seem like rude or entitled to something instead of coming from a point of just being open to knowledge and receptive and gracious um because that can be kind of off-putting because i mean like there i mean and that's kind of a controversial thing to say um but like i mean i wouldn't come in just like demanding to be known or something i mean because i'm i i'm just here to learn and i'm here to get to know whoever i'm trying to talk to and benefit from their guidance and i'm not going to come in with this massive chip on my shoulder like oh you should know me like no well and know. the other thing so a mentor of mine um you know i, I only re i reach out to him in very specific moments um uh he's not he's not like a daily mentor of mine right um and you know if I have something to reach out to him with, I give him a very specific question. And like, you know, like I haven't talked to this guy in months. I'll ask him a very specific question. And literally that's his response. He's like, hey, that's a great question. I can't get back to you, but let's talk about Monday at noon or whatever. Like, cool. Mm -hmm. Right. So like if you're going to reach out to someone, have a very intentional thing when you first reach out to let them know that, you know, it's like, hey, man, I'm a big fan. You know, like, it's that whole like rock and roll thing. Like artists that don't like that thing. Oh, I'm a big fan. Right. But if you have a very intentional purpose to what you're trying to do, you're going to get somewhere a lot faster. Yeah. Well, that, that's the secret. And I was going to say that. So you stole you stole it from me, Chris. But people who are passionate about stuff love to talk about stuff they're passionate about. They like to engage about it. So a, a great trick that I use all the time, I will shamelessly use this trick and I will share that it's my secret trick and it works, is to say, you know, hey, uh, either I'm familiar with your work or I read this article about you, you know, it's it, it's great to connect with you. I'd love to pick your brain sometime, whatever you say, but then ask a specific question. I notice that you have the whatever plugin and, and you know, how are you liking that plugin? Or, um, you know, I, I reached out to uh, David Caddick, who is the music director for like a bunch of gigantic Broadway shows, including he, he conducts the Phantom Orchestra. Um, and so very busy person, you know, um, but when I connected with him, I just I asked him one specific question. I said, "Hey, you know, at this part of the show, do you does the conductor trigger the playback, or is it the front of house engineer, the, the A one that triggers it?" And and that really increases your probability of getting a response because people want to answer that question because you know it's it's something that they like to talk about. So there's there's my little uh, secret, and and it it you know it, it definitely works. And I'll and I'll also say that. Um, 
it can sometimes be frustrating when you have someone who really wants to learn, uh, but it's not productive if there's not like a question that's being asked, like, hey, I really want to learn about audio. Okay, well, you know what I mean? You, you, if you ask a specific question, you're enabling someone to actually give you an answer because, uh, you know, if it's just how, to, you know, I really want to get into this, what are all the things I need to know? Um, the answer is like, you know, not going to be explained to you in a YouTube comment or a LinkedIn message or, uh, you know, or an email. It's like you, you have a lot TikTok. of, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kyle, Kyle's not going to interrupt his, his burgeoning TikTok career to explain to you game structure. So, um, 60 seconds, bro. That's all I got. <laughs> there's a ton of great resources, you know, ton of great books. There's a ton of great blogs. There's some good stuff on YouTube. There's also some really horrible stuff on YouTube. So and we get into that whole thing about how do you know if you're feeding yourself nonsense or not. But, you know, the point is, um, I love recommending resources. And I say like, hey, read this. If you have a question about this, or you don't understand something about this, then come back and ask me about this thing. Um, and that giving some focus to the conversation and bringing it into a micro instead of a macro, I think is also uh, I found to be a lot more productive. So. Absolutely. Chris Musgrave was commenting on the thing and he said, take time to learn other things besides the audio aspect, which is amazing because um, he, he is a production manager for some large touring things and the, the process that he does things is a little bit different. It's, it's more like a touring theater type thing. And I think that's special because rock and roll theater club versus arena there's so many different aspects of this thing and and even when we had wes on we talked about this for a second the club gigs seem to make you better at the arena level gigs and in will and i talked about that as well she was like oh it's so much easier i can put overheads in the pa <laughs> like so starting from what you can do watching how shows are settled and how shows are, are set instead of worrying, walking in and worrying about the audio before the truck doors are even open, walk in and worry about what's going on. Who's interacting. Where's the production manager? What's where's catering? Format? Yeah. Where's catering for real? Where do I got to put some gaff tape arrows, bro? Um, whatever needs to happen, like all those little things add up in your skill set as well. You know, a lot of us in, in Chad's on the, Facebook live stuff, making comments too, which he would be a great mentor for any of you guys. I remember going to see the Deftones and listening to Chad mix and I was blown away, extremely blown away and uh nonpoint and a couple other bands. But I, I definitely think people should take the time to realize what's going on around them besides the audio stuff. It's, it's kind of like Michael, when you used to say, you know, you always had that one kid ready to flip the desk, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah. a lot more things got to be done before you flip the desk, homie. Yeah. And as audio engineers, we're, we're asked to wear many hats, you know? Um, hey, man, do you want to production manage? Hey, do you want to tour manage? Hey, do you want to drive the van? You go, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but um, all those things add up, you know? Uh, driving the van for me, I was in a Ford Explorer with a trailer with four hardcore kids for four years. Like... Probably smelled like feet in there. You want to talk about feet yeah. smell? Yeah. No corn nuts in the Explorer. That was the rule. Uh, <laughs> the next rule was, is I can get you anywhere in the U.S. without looking at a map because I've drove it that much. So when I go sit with the bus driver, I'm like, oh, we're in Wyoming. 
done this. So it, it even has like it's mixing the show is the shortest part of the day. Yeah. And here's another thing. I used to bring friends out on tour with me and they couldn't sleep on a bus, bro. Like they figured out the hard way that they couldn't handle that the the bus moving, not being able to take a shower, not being able to take a poop. I mean, those are all things that you got to deal with. That's 90% of your day. 10% of the day is mixing the show or setting up the show. Um, if you can't get along with people, you don't know how to communicate, don't know how to brush your teeth, like things are going to go wrong real fast. And uh, that's a harsh, it's a harsh reality. So those who do want to do it, it definitely takes a special breed of, of folks. You know, just a pair of black jeans and a black t-shirt doesn't make you a roadie. Um, there's underneath that's what makes you the roadie for sure. We gotta start writing his quotes down, Michael. We gotta, we gotta like, you know, make stickers and stuff. I, mute, I muted myself so you wouldn't hear me typing frantically over here. Uh, if, if anyone sees my Facebook, I'm just a dad. I'm just trying to be a good dad. That's about it. Trying to be a good person, be a good dad. Make sure you follow Carl on TikTok too. <laughs> Unless you work at Home Depot, and then you probably don't want to watch it. I do well, not know you had a TikTok, and I think I have to have to join that party. <laughs> See, she's behind on episodes. See, you just I you am. just showed your hand right there. I am. I am about... way behind right now. I should be listening right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm behind I'm, too. I'm behind. <laughs> I think I'm funny. That's a problem. I think you're funny, Kyle. I'm... No. Well, if you want to talk about TikToks in the audio world, Laureen Bohan and Lizzo's monitor engineer. I think she goes by Sound Lady Thirteen on TikTok and she has a lot of really great uh audio basics just little snippets of little tiny things that make up the audio day um so if you're on TikTok Sound Lady 13 or look up Lorraine Bohannon or Lizzo and you can probably find her Lizzo also has a TikTok and it is everything so because Lizzo is just glorious but you know I will definitely check them out mm-hmm so Chad's commenting, and he said, "I'd rather hire someone who's mediocre at their job, who's an amazing person, rather than oh, there we got it up on the screen there, rather than a superstar at their job who's a shitbag human." Um, and I like the phraseology on that, and it's 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 the same thing that that you know. Okay, here's another entry for the Rhino John Day calendar. Um, it, it's <laughs> it's really astounding how many things that Ryan has taught me, and I'm very very uh, appreciative of that. But you know, one of the when I first got to know Ryan I said how do you get all these gigs because that's you know when you're when you're the 19 year old kid and you're looking at Ryan's resume you're like Jesus man what do you like this is crazy right so he said I'm a decent sound engineer but I'm a nice person he said mm-hmm. I'm, I'm you know I, I'm the kind of person that people want to be around and that's way more important than being able to be a great mixer now Ryan is selling himself short he's an incredible mix engineer but the point stands um, I, I know people actually, Kyle has a buddy who will remain unnamed. Who's a monitor engineer He's a very good monitor engineer, but he's not pleasant to work with. Um, and I, I mix monitors for a support act on a tour that, uh, that he was doing. And I did not have a fun day because of that. Um, and you know, definitely, definitely had to shit down. Just wasn't, you know, wasn't a great working environment. And so, you know, what's funny is when I think about, when I think back about that show, the one thing that sticks in my mind was, man, that monitor guy was a dick. You know what I mean? And so, like, that that stays with you. So, I mean, I, I'd rather say, man, you know, man, we had a couple real technical failures on that show and some shit really went down. And, man, I got my ass handed to me, but, you know, I, I that monitor guy really helped me out and we had a good time. I mean, that 
Uh, no, we're not going to guess the names. Uh, we're gonna... <laughs> so, what's funny uh, when I think about... Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chad, Chad Olick. Yeah. Hey, I'm Chad. Dude. You know that's what I mean? That, oh, Chad, Chad needs headphones. <laughs> He's in a cabin, bro, in the woods. That's cool. I'm not in a cabin. I'm in my basement. It looks awesome. Looks like a cabin. That's my guy right there. What's I, up, I Chad? Ladies. Hey, you 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 you've reached the comment threshold. You said like X number of super relevant and inspiring things, and I was like, all right, let's just get him on here. So I just texted Chad. The link here he is, Chad Olick. Welcome back to the show, man. It's great to have you back. Great to be back. That's and the only dude. one wearing a colorful shirt, too. Oh, so I can take it off like Kyle did in one podcast. I heard I think about. We've it. Had enough. I think we've had enough of that on the show so far. We've seen Kyle's feet. We've seen all all sorts of Kyle so far. That was Jeff Holly testing me, man. You just tested me. So, Chad, I'll tell you this to your face now that you're here. Like I said, when I got that notebook, when I started getting an audio and I started writing down people, I'm pretty sure your name's in there. I'll have to go look. But you were one of the people that when I was young and I said, I really want to do this, I saw what you were doing and and I I wrote it down because I thought it was really cool. So so whatever you did, I don't remember now, but it was cool at the time. So thanks for that. (laughs) You're welcome. Just hopefully I wasn't a jackass to you. (laughs) Only only me that one time went on hot water. (laughs) <laughs> but i still loved you i thought you were amazing dude i remember watching you mix seven dust one time and i was fucking blown away not that they weren't a great band to begin with but that what you had to work with like it was amazing i, I i've actually never mixed seven dust never mind it was like non-point or <laughs> it, it was a it was a show that seven dust played but it was like uh, probably, probably non-point then yeah they sounded amazing that's all right. Michael called our guest by the wrong I, name. No, uh, or, 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 uh, I, I, I mixed Brad, up. I mixed up. Yo, I Brad did too. I, I had Brad's wrong, wrong Brad's website, but I just did it off the top of my head. So I, 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 I'm allowed to get that one wrong. Getting but, TikTok followers. Are you? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did. I did mix up uh, Drew and Pavan the other day, which you know, it's it's so hard to mix those guys up because one is a phenomenal mix engineer and the other one has no idea what he's doing. So yeah, it's really tough, but uh, no, it was, it's, uh, again, I, I, I'm, it's so, what a great problem to have that you have so many super talented people that, that put up with you that you, you mix I mean, they, they were at least, we, so we're, we have a, um, Brad Maddox's episode is coming out soon and we're talking to him and he's like, oh man, you have this great site fixing to get mixed. And we're like, wait, stop. No, that, wrong, wrong Brad. <laughs> That was Brad Divins, right? Yeah, and that was just filed under a tab labeled Brad in my in my head. So that was, you know, that, that's uh, some people, you know, take issue with the fact that we do zero research here on the Signal Noise podcast, and so we're thinking about like bringing that up like two db do two db more research hey, sp- hey sp- speak for yourself I, I i do i do research chris is the clerk chris is the official clerk of the signal it's weird I, I got sweet water candy and and sniffing glue i mean and i and i got a calculator so if that just doesn't sum up if that doesn't sum up the show uh very but, well i think the, but these resumes are ridiculous like so like greg price sitting right here and yeah. then david morgan takes up two pages uh it's it's ridiculous david morgan's resume is it's it's like if you went on Billboard and printed out who all the number one records were, like every month from like 1975 to 1990, like that's David Morgan's resume. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I actually just listened to that podcast this afternoon, the, the David Morgan one. Uh, which one? There was two of them, actually. Oh, the, fir- the first one. 
Oh, cool. Well, then you got, you got to listen to the second one. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, we, we, um, yeah, he's such a great guy. I, I, I love getting to know him. Um, that's what's been really cool about, you know, doing some of the How We Got Loud stuff and talking to these people is that, uh, it's funny, like, I'll record with, I'll record with David for like an hour, hour and a half or whatever. And then we'll talk for another hour and a half after that, you know, continue on because there's just a 40 plus year career. There's so much to talk about. Uh, Chad, I want to ask you, I'm sure you've been doing this long enough where you get those hotshot kids coming out of the schools and, you know, the shops or whatever, and they say, hey, man, I want I want to go on tour with you. I want you to hire me, put me on a show. I mean, uh, how do you handle those situations? What do you do in terms of advice or how do you guide that? Uh, I, try, I try to get them uh, to, you know, the mentorship program, like you guys were talking about, it's a great idea. You know, get a mentor, find a way. It, it's hard to hire someone right out of school to just come out on tour you know there's those positions don't you know it's 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 not something where you know my artist isn't going to say hell yeah just take this rookie kid who's never done this and let's pay him you know they got to get experience they got to work the clubs what i have done a lot in the past is try to get him jobs with smaller you know smaller newer acts if i you know if i can find one or if i hear of somebody or a support band or something um but to actually come out on a you know a, a fairly decent sized tour for your first tour, I mean, I guess, you know, some people do it and good for them, but uh, I, it's, you'd be real hard pressed to get a, a upper level engineer to bring out somebody fresh from school onto a, onto a bus and, you know, subject all the people on the bus to, to the nonsense that may ensue. That's why, I mean, I think we've talked about this plenty. I think typically if you're fresh out of college or a school or high school or whatever, I mean, I really think the path is best to start as a company, right? Because you can get that third, fourth stage tech position on a larger tour. You can experience what's around you, you know, those types of stuff. But to just try to jump into like a freelance standpoint and get picked up by tour that way, that's going to be rather difficult from a straight out of school. I'm a local venue guy, like, because it, like I said, that 700 cap to 1200 cap local venue is the on the way up or the way out market. And that that's how I met most of the engineers I know. I was the house guy. And that's how I built relationships. They came back in and they were like, oh, this dude's super nice. His PA sucks, but at least he's super nice. And we're going to have help all day. And everyone's going to be there and not be high or whatever the case may be that they look for a person. Um and and that that was a redeeming factor you know is local production companies like you guys said you know refer them to that um and and local venues are working with local bands that's even a a better thing like i used to mix as many local bands as i possibly could you know um and and then they'd come back to the club and they'd give me a little tip you know so and it wasn't like hey turn off the hi-hat tip it was like money (laughs) um so yeah, definitely those things. Well, that's the that's the path that Will is working on right now, right? I mean, Will, yeah. you work at a bunch of local clubs down there in Austin, right? So I mean, that's uh... pre-COVID, I was in nine clubs. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, nine clubs and three independent artists. Um, so yeah, I was keeping pretty busy. <laughs> and, and I think uh, what a, what a lot of people don't realize is that's hard. Like yeah. Will, what you do in a lot of ways is much harder than mixing in a bigger. As you found out recently, when you oh get to God. a big room, you get a big PA, you can actually put your symbols in, like. You know, when you're in a tiny room, like it's a battle to get the vocals on top. Oh it's a I mean, battle for everything is hard. So like is is as crappy as that is, it's really good for you. You I know, mean, no, it totally is. And I and I don't take it lightly. I, I take it very seriously. And I, I love the fact that I 
I mean, don't love it, but I embrace the challenge of the fact that I am working in a 150 person wood and limestone room with a PA that is older than I am that has been treated really horribly and hasn't been fixed ever. Um, and it's probably had every single liquid under the sun spilled into it. Um, <laughs> and the cables are stickier than anything I could have ever dreamed. Um, but it it's taught me so much about how to control stage volume, how to graciously interact with, with an artist to like get the right sound from them and to collaborate with them to manage the volume so that you can get a decent mix, not only for their wedges, but also for front of house. And, and for me personally, I, I start with the wedges first and then I'll move to front of house because your stage sound is going to dictate what choices you make out front in a, in a space that small. Um, and I, I took the same, I take the same path that Kyle did which is like just be super nice when you're not the front when you're not the engineer for the show i'm just there as the assistant to whoever is guesting and i it's up to me to determine how hands-on they want me to be um if they want me to be really hands-on that i need to be like attentive and you know i don't drink when i work and i make i make sure that they're, they're all set um or if, if they're super hands-off then i just hang out in a corner and i'm there if they need anything so it, and it's it's taught me a lot um, and when I mixed the, for the first time a, a large PA that was meant to cover a couple thousand people, I mean, I, I mixed um, a, a 3,000 person concert hall a couple times, but it was for like a graduation ceremony. So honestly, I don't count it. But like for a, a show for my pop artist, um, I ended up calling a few of my engineer friends that actually do this for a living. I'm like, okay. So, I mean, I get the idea. You push the faders and it gets loud and I'm like, cool, awesome. Uh, how do I actually do this? And, and I asked the question of like, what is the one piece of knowledge that someone going from tiny 150 person room up to couple thousand person outdoor amphitheater show? What are the key pieces of knowledge that I need to keep in my, my mind when I'm approaching this in, in, I got a lot of really great feedback like what time they, they asked me like what time of day i'm mixing because it's different if you're mixing in the afternoon versus at nighttime. um are you going to get a sound check here's how i mean i learned all about how to interface with the systems tech because i've only done work by myself i've never had like a monitor engineer and a broadcast engineer and a systems tech all at my disposal before like that was luxury so it was a really wonderful experience and I learned a lot from it. And yeah, it's a lot easier. And I was really surprised at how much that just working in clubs and getting that speed as well of when you're working six acts in the same night with 15 minute changeovers and half of them are eight piece funk bands with multiple snares and horn sections. And you are the only tech like go, <laughs> you got to yeah. move fast. So, and you learn a lot. And it's such a it's such a great knowledge base. Well, first of all, I mean, I think you deserve to be commended for like being so free to say, hey, I am a little out of my element here. I'm going to call some people and get some advice. You're you're very, very comfortable with asking people to help you and asking asking questions. And I think that's a great quality. And I, I, I think that Thank a lot you. of people would benefit if they were able to do that comfortably so there, there's something there but i also want to say that um if you can do that well you're going to have a lot of opportunities come your way like you've had willa and and uh, i mean i remember like about a year ago hannah had a group coming into her venue 
and she's like, oh man, this is gonna be a nightmare. Like they're super loud, and like I'm. She was really really nervous about it, and you know, then you have this thing where like, okay, you're young, you're female, you're a student, right? So so a touring act like they've made some judgments about you. We know that this is the reality in our industry, unfortunately, right? So so you have to work even harder to establish that you do know what you're doing. Um, and so she texted me like 1 a.m. and I said like, how'd it go? And she's like, they asked me to go on tour with them. And, and so, like, just go in there and kill it. You know what I mean? Um, if you can do that in a small room and you can get results, uh, you are going to do fine because well, that's hard. Additionally, I think just at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about the client. It's about the artist. So, like, going back to what you said about my being willing to say I am not in my comfort zone here. This is not a tiny club with dumpy gear. This is a a decent sort of situation that I'm walking into and I don't actually, I'm, I'm nervous. I don't actually know how I'm going to control this. Um, Cause at the end of the day, it's about my artist and what she wants and how I can best represent her and her music. So in order for me to do my job to the best of my ability, cause she'd only played small clubs before she, I mean, we didn't even have the, the physical outputs until I, I sourced the gear. Um, to make this show physically possible for us. So we were completely just out of the blue with only two rehearsals. Like, we're just going for it. And so in order for me to serve her best, I had to go and get help. And setting aside that ego and that fear and that just insecurity of like, oh, well, I need to look really cool and like I know what I'm doing. You know, I mean, like, if you don't want your artist to know about it, don't tell your artist. Like, I reached out to people for help if you're really that worried about it. But honestly, I think it's just part of the joy of being a part of this community is being able to say, hey, I'm new and I'm I'm learning and I want to do better. So I'm going to reach out to the people that can help me and want to help me and then just enjoy developing that relationship and the show. And I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Well, no, it was so funny because... Uh, yes, oh, yes. You, golf, golf clap. For, uh, uh, <laughs> um, you you called me and you said, "Hey, have you ever heard of X Brand PA?" And I won't say the name, but it was oh it's it's a uh, it's not a major or a reputable manufacturer. It's 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 very so proprietary thing that I had never heard that no one's ever heard of. I guess it's like one person that just makes it. Um, and I said no, and then you know I went looked a little bit up and we talked about it a little bit. And then the next week, uh, Fletcher McDermott texts me. And says, "Hey, have you ever heard of X Brand PA?" And I said, "Yes, once." Um, and he said, uh, "By any chance, are you doing? Uh, a, was it a show in Austin?" And I said, "Yes." <laughs> and so, um, actually, Willa got to go hang out uh, and watch Fletcher do his thing, which was cool. And I was watching the live stream, so uh, I'm, I'm jealous of that too because uh, Fletcher's my dude and I miss him. But um, you know, that's just one of those connections that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't reached out and said, "Hey, you know, uh, tell me what's going on with this," you know. Yeah, and thanks again for bailing me out. Oh my God, y'all, I had some technical difficulties that should not have existed. Like the Midas tech told me this uh, this issue should not exist, but it existed and Michael helped get me connected with him. And so, yay, like asking for help is such a good thing to do, especially before a show so you can reach into your back pocket when your shit is on fire. They'll bail you out. <laughs> Thank you. one thing you said was, like, don't tell your artist. Well, I've, like, in that little 200-cat club that Michael was talking about, um, I've been the production manager there for, like, three years now. And, like, anytime that I have a technical difficulty and I can't solve it, being honest with my artist up front and being like, listen, this is what we're working with. This is what we have to do going forward. 
sorry I can't make it better, but we're working with what we got. That has gone so much farther than sweeping it under the rug and not telling them what's going on. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, being completely I, honest. Yeah, with I agree with you. I tell my artists everything because honestly, at least with the clients that I work with, they'd rather me tell them, I don't know what's going on. I have done my best. I am calling in somebody who knows better than I do to get this problem yep. solved and we'll fix it. So you're right on the money there, Hannah. Absolutely. Yep. It's something that has just helped me get through those tough situations every time is just, yeah. this is what we're working with. We're going to get through it. Just trust yeah. me. They want to know that they're being cared about and that yep. you are doing everything in your power to make sure that their show is going to go. That's right, man, that's so frustrating, too, when you're like, you know, like, this isn't my rig. I realize that it sucks. It's not up to me. I would not have picked, you know, four unmatched monitors would blown out, you know, tweeters. Like, oh, you know. why not, bro? I mean, <laughs> why? Uh, Chad, have, have you had to navigate um, when you have someone on tour? I mean, hopefully, you, you know, you you get the right people on your team and then, you know, you, you go forward and everyone does their thing. But I'm sure there's times when someone's just for whatever reason, it's not working out or this person's just falling short. I mean, so as a tour manager or production manager, you know, I mean, how, how does that process work for you? Uh, it kind of depends somewhat on what the situation is, uh, what the crime is, so to speak, you know, uh, for the severity of what my or the tour's reaction will be. Um, I would say that, you know, th there've been plenty of people I fired on the spot, uh, in the last headlining tour we did last year, we had a, uh, uh, gentleman from the pyro team that thought it was a wise idea to take a crap in the band's dressing room and, uh, that, uh, it didn't go over too well. And then he got into it with our, uh, band assistant and my assistant. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I fired him right on the floor about five minutes later, sent him home from there. Um, I mean, unsolicited poop does seem like a, a reasonable justification for, <laughs> for I mean, early dismissal. <laughs> pooping in the band's dressing room is one thing, but then causing a big scene about it, that, that, that's what really got him fired. You know, like, all he had to do is say, I'm sorry. Didn't, you know, didn't realize it was their room, whatever. You know, there, there's a thousand things he could have said not to get fired that day. He chose to say all of the opposite things. Man, I am so glad you said that because, you know, I know there's a lot of people and myself included who have this fear of like, I'm going to screw up, you know, I'm going to do or say the wrong thing and I'm going to get hammered. And, and more likely what's going to happen is someone's going to say, hey, listen, you know, let me explain this to you. And how you react to that um, is is probably a much bigger determiner, determ, determ <laughs> uh, it's, it's going to have more more swing on, on you know, how that goes. Uh, I, I, you know, there's been a lot of times when, you just have to explain something or have something explained to you and that's okay. But I think, you know, as long as you take that in stride, you, 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 you likely be okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think any one of us on tour has ever not screwed up to the point where we should probably been fired for it. You know, I, I mean, I can count way too many times that I probably should have been let go for something that I did or didn't do. And same with probably everybody I've ever hired and everybody that's ever hired me has, yeah, yeah. We've all done it. You know, the massive screw up and you're like, Oh God, I can't believe I dodged that. And I can't believe, you know, can't believe I'm still on this bus. I shouldn't be here. I got lucky. And and then you hopefully learn from that. And, uh, and a don't repeat the same mistake and B try not to repeat a mistake. That's even similar. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, you know, and I think it's a lot, like you said, it's a learning experience. And, and, um, I'll also circle back around and say, if you've, if you've done a good job cultivating a positive relationship with the people that you're on tour with, 
I think you're sort of increasing the odds that someone will kindly try to explain it to you rather than, you know, you being blindsided because no one feels like, uh, they can, they can talk to you about it. So I, I think, you know, that you can, you can, you can grease the gears a little bit yourself by, you know, being approachable and letting people feel comfortable if, if you're screwing up that people can just talk to you about it. Yeah. And, you know, like, like the ladies were saying a minute ago, be honest. I, I don't think I've ever lied to any of my artists about anything, you know, that has to do with their show or anything else. You know, it's, it, it's going to come back and bite you eventually, you know, that you're going to get caught. And when you get caught, you almost assuredly will get fired. There's a, this is, this relates, I promise you, Chad. There's a lamb chop episode that I watched. <laughs> I love it. Wait, like, like the hand sock? Yeah. That we're talking chop. about? Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> okay. No, no offense, but I, I didn't think you'd be old enough to know what lamb chop was. Oh. <laughs> I love lamb chop. No, no, none offense taken. Thank you. The skincare is working. But, so, <laughs> so, but no, lamb chop. Okay. So there's a lamb chop episode that I grew up watching, and I, and I remember it. Anytime anyone talks about, um, about lying, and it's when Sherry is talking to Lamb Chop about, you know, you should always tell the truth, right? Because it's a children's show and you're learning all of this. And, um, oh, you know, it wasn't Lamb Chop, but it was a curly hair. <laughs> it was Star Trek. It was uh, another hand puppet. It was Star Trek and it was Loaxana Troy talking to Alexander Rush. I see how, how so, easily those two shows could be confused. Well, so I understand. <laughs> it was the curly hair. But anyway, so like... Um, walks on and was talking to Alex about how he was lying to his father about the shit that he was doing in school and he was like being a little shenanigan causer and he's saying like I'm just gonna like not tell my father I'm not gonna tell Worf that I've messed up and walks on and says well you know you shouldn't lie because you know the easiest thing about telling the truth is that you won't have to remember what you lied about so like if you're lying when you're on a on a show and or like you're covering something up, it's easier to just tell the truth because I, I promise you if you're busy, you're not gonna remember what exactly the lie was that you told or you should what coach politicians, I think. Pay me half a million dollars, I might. <laughs> Sam Zuckerman said, uh, remember that the artist is the one on the stage, so if there's an issue that could affect their performance, they should not be kept in the dark. It's them out oh, there, absolutely. not you. And mm-hmm. I, and I, and I like that. Um, and something that that I'll say is when I'm having an issue where there's, you know, whatever uh, the problem is to be solved or whatever. Um, I, my rule is I will I will sit down and discuss it with the artist. And but I also because again they've hired us to take care of the technical stuff. That's our job, and they've trusted us with that. So so I don't just state the problem. I always have a recommendation as well. Here's what the issue is that we're dealing with. Here's how I would fix it. Or we have two ways that we could resolve this. You know, which are you comfortable with? Um, I, I try to bring a solution along with the issue. Um, so, so you know, again, I'm here. I'm in this with you. Um, this is what you hired me for to, to, to solve these things. Here's how I'm thinking about solving it. I, you know, I just want to be on the same page with you. Uh, all that stuff. So that's, you know, that's kind of my, my two cents there. Sometimes the artist doesn't even have to know. You know what I mean? Like it, the less worry and stress that you would have to put on the artist at that point, like you're also hired to take care of an issue. You know what I mean? So you need to step the fuck up and call who, who you want, to, who you need. You need to go get your production manager. You need to get the house person. You need to figure the fuck out. And then if shit's going fucking south and they're looking at you, the artist is looking at you like, what the hell's going on? Then tell them about it. Last thing they want to worry about when they go out there is something might blow up or not work. Um, so 
yeah, just step up and do it way, way before they find out. Before they, they get to the venue, preferably. Yeah, exhaust yeah. all your options. Exhaust mm. all your options before you take it to your artist, period. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us can attest to this fact that the worst walk in the world is leaving front of house or monitors <laughs> or, or any position at the end of a show and getting that radio call, uh, go to the band's dressing room. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, generally, I mean, it's very rare that that's a good call. Yeah. So, Chad, I'm curious. We've touched on this on one of our episodes, but I want to hear an outside perspective. Is um, so when we can come back to work, um, you is you know doing production manager work and stuff. How much um, how much headspace do you think or leniency people can have for people to uh, be behind the curve or slow or rusty? How much forgiveness is there going to be for some of that stuff? Or do you think when you hit the ground, you have to hit it hard? And like if you you know like what have you thought about that at all? Uh, I, I haven't thought about it, but I, I mean, I can tell you my answer won't change from what I'm about to tell you. There'll be zero forgiveness. You, you, you've been hired to do a job. You know, if, if you're rusty, you better knock that rust off before you get out there. You know, if you forgot how to change your strings or forgot how to tune a wedge or dial in some ears, you, you better get some practice before, uh, bef before we get to rehearsals. I like it. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we're going to see a, a filtering effect in, in a way, you know, like there's, it's not, there's not room for dead weight, especially with the less budgets and the, all that stuff. So, you, you know, yeah. you got to get out there and you got to do the job. Filter um, like a, hey man, nice shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'd love to do Chris's legacy question for everyone on the screen right now, at least. And then for the people that are watching, they can chime in and answer as well. I think, I think that's relevant too. Yeah. It's a, a good way to wrap up our, our evening together. Uh, uh, Kyle, you go first. You're, you're the man of honor. Here. Oh man. <laughs> so, so on, dude. Chris, what, yeah. Remind everybody what the question yeah, is. Yeah. Frame of reference. I just, it's something I've been thinking about um, in that, uh, you know, so I've been asking people this year, it's like, Hey, if, if you could define, find your legacy what would you want it to be um and a lot of people haven't really thought about that so i like catching people off guard with it but it, i think it's something that's worth and not that like you know it's not that, not about necessarily about being famous and i had to be known for this but like if if someone said hey that was kyle churnside what's the first thing that comes to mind what do you want to be known for what what is your legacy i wish i was known for writing that song intentions by the beebler that song is damn good and so is that alone song and holy i'm a total beebler fan um Dang, that kid is awesome. I don't care what none of you people say. Alone? Holy cow, have you heard that? I wrote that. I wrote that song. That's me. <laughs> no, I, that wouldn't be my legacy. My legacy, I just, I, like I said on episode, what was it, Michael? Episode 9 when I yep. first came on? Yeah, man. I just want people to be like, man, what a nice dude. Like, he, he was helpful. He was cool. You know, he told me personal things, like, about his family, his daughter, like, um, I'm going to be 49 this year, man. Like I never really thought I'd make it this far, you know? And it, it's, I'm, I'm blessed to be here. Like I've toured the world. I've been to Japan like nine times and ate Nagoya wings with friends. And like, shit's good. Like, um, I, I just hope everyone sees my legacy as a positive one, you know? And I hope that there's something that I might've said that could have just been something stupid and sarcasm that they took and could use kind of like Grace Royce episode where she said, if you're coasting, you're going downhill. I'll use that forever now. So um, I hope there's something that I could say to someone to make a difference. 
Hannah, we're going clockwise here. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Actually, I want to before we before we get to that, I don't, don't want to lose sight of this. So, Chris Musgraves uh, mentioned a site that I wasn't aware of, uh, and he was answering his legacy. Is it Kyle's um, OnlyFans? I saw that comment <laughs> go by. Oh, I, I, and there <laughs> we go. Um, it's called uh, KeepTheBeatAlive.org, uh, and I'm just now reading this, so I apologize. Um, but it's a 501c3 dedicated to eliminating premature cardiac death in uh, touring professionals. So I'm not sure what this is yet, but I'm going to check it out, and I encourage you all to go check this out as well. Cool. So, Thanks, uh, Chris. Yeah. It's a, it's a, they're, they're a great organization, and uh, I've done a little bit of stuff with them here and there and, and seen their panels at some of the uh, the events. And uh, great organization, and they do a great job for uh, you know, to try and keep us older folks still ticking. Yeah. Sorry, go. sorry, Hannah. Go. Okay. Um. I just want to be helpful. That's what I want. I just want somebody to walk away from me and be like, yeah, she, she was helpful. She knew what she was doing. That's all I want. Yeah. That's it. We'll let us know. <laughs> um, leading with authenticity and inspiring others to do the same. That's cool. All right. Chad? Chad with uh, the orange shirt. It's actually red. red, red. <laughs> uh, I mean, for me, the the the, the people that I uh, alienated and or pissed off early in my career to see that uh, you know I can still be a complete asshole, but for the most part, I, I try and help people and uh, you know get people pointing in the right direction. That's cool. I'm gonna the the theme here is uh, is assistance to others, which is really cool. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Ryan John. You know, I I don't I you know I. I it really stuck with me. Like, yeah, you know, he's a decent mixer. He's a decent engineer, but, but, you know, I like to be around him. I think that's, that's a cool thing to aspire to that. People are happy when you walk into the room, you know, that's, 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 it's, it's a high bar and it's difficult, but, but I like that. And, and now to the man who makes the show actually go as <laughs> planned, if it wasn't for Chris Leonard, we would be lost. The only reason that we have a Google Drive and an email and a website and like an actual schedule is because of this guy right here. So the only Chris... time I, I know how to get on this thing, like it, <laughs> he's like my handler. Chris Chris Leonard is my personal handler. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I share some of the same sentiment in terms of, um, you know, I'm a very, uh, I like to be a very personal person. I like to connect with a lot of people, um, and I want to be known for giving back. Um, but I, you know. What led me to this is over this last year, I thought further in what I could do to give back, right? And I'm not going to give back like um, a Raybould or a Pooch in terms of technical knowledge. You know, I'm not going to be this elite mixer. You know, I'm not a very great teacher, I don't think, right? So like, what can I do? Um, and so I have a very lofty goal of wanting to um, create the ultimate history for live sound. Um, I don't know what that looks like yet. I'm working on it. Um, that's why I started, you know, How We Got Loud. Um, it's starting with a podcast right talk about the stories about the people technology that built the history of live sound um the key word in there being passion um you know because we all share this passion um and so you know if i if there's anything i could do to i can leave behind to this industry um i want to leave uh the best documentation both uh verbally um, in written form or whatever of the history of live sound so that's what i'm that's what i'm You're shooting for path, it's bro. it's a yeah i know it'll take a lifetime to work on and i'm committed to do that as long as i as long as i can and it's been awesome, man. It's been so cool to see you work on that, and and it's been really neat to see how excited you're getting about the project. And I've been getting texts from people saying, "Man, you know what Chris is doing is really cool." And and so uh, I, it's it's an awesome project, and uh, I encourage everybody to check it out. 
And uh, before we wrap up, we want to say a big thanks to Chad and to Willa and to Hannah for for uh, putting up with the smelly boys. And, and Audix uh, and the wanna... clinic and Alan and Heath and Reverend Run. <laughs> yeah, that's Reverend Run. And want... you know what? A little shout out to Focus Right because we finally got Kyle's mic sounding good. We got him a new interface and, and there he is. So. <laughs> and I want to shout out to uh, some other people. Like, so like we, we talked about Chris Musgrave. He's been here the whole time. Um, yep. uh, Sam Zuckerman, he's actually my, one of my mentees that we just started talking recently. So he's been hanging out. Um, and my buddy Troy Topinka, local guy here, he's been commenting, hanging out too. So I appreciate you all hanging out with us. It's fun to kind of do this sometimes with you all. And, uh, you know, love the questions coming to the sub. So we'll try to make this more regular thing. Kyle asks us every week to do this. And so we try and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. This is how I'm going to get my Rogan status, bro. <laughs> <laughs> how people are going to recognize. R- Rogan um, or Rogaine? Ro- ro- yes. At this yes, point, it's Rogaine, both. bro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for, for hanging with us. It's it's always a pleasure. We really appreciate it. Have a cool. good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you.